0: I actually feel that sometimes when you're prompted by other things, it stops the creativity that you actually have and are able to actually pour into everything that we create. So we don't just look at like, obviously, the words that are written on the page. We look at marketing strategically. What does this client need? What does their customers actually need? And sometimes I feel like when you see something, you can't unsee it. And therefore, it does stifle that creativity. And that's like, the real special source that copywriters can add, and that's what's actually most important when it comes to conversions.
1: This is James Shramko. James Shramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1008. Today, we're talking about copywriting, one of our favorite topics on this show, and of course, I've got Jamie Marie here to talk about that. Hello, Jamie.
0: Hi, James. Thanks so much for having me.
1: We have similar names. You know, when I was a kid, my mum used to call me Jamie.
0: Did you know, so many people called me James. When I played a lot of sport, it was always James.
1: Well, that's really interesting. So we've shared a fair bit of our backstory. (laughs) Indeed. The um, way we met, you're in Australia as well, of course. I've, (laughs) I've seen you at local meetups when I come down to visit occasionally for members of my own community. So you've been a member of my community for quite some time now.
0: I reckon it'd be almost going on eight, nine years, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it's one of the coolest things about having a community is over time, you get to see people doing different things. Of course, when you started in that community, you weren't doing what you're doing right now, right? This has um, been an evolution. Yes. Let's talk about what you're doing right now and then we'll go back a bit. So right now you have this agency, it's called SavvyCopy.com, which is actually a really cool domain. I'm amazed that you could get such a good domain and maybe you paid for it. I did. Yeah, worth every cent. Exactly. And you've been doing direct response copy and wow. you've been helping a lot of people who are industry experts, lots of famous names. I, I actually shared a luxury villa in the jungle in Belize with one of your clients, Gary Goldstein.
0: Ah, Gary. He's the nicest human being.
1: He's a lovely guy, yeah. He was on a adventure that we were doing, we we're going down these Mayan caves and he's such a nice guy. Of course, he, he was uh, tied up somehow with Pretty Woman.
0: Yes,
1: he was the producer. Uh, We all know Sylvester Stallone, of course, Uh and Tony Robbins. Yep. You've worked with Bill Zanker and Pitbull and hundreds of others. So you've actually done pretty well in the copy space, but that wasn't what you are always doing, which is great. And the thing that I like the most, and this is why I've been recommending you to my clients, is the type of copy you do. We've heard from different copywriters over the years. There's just so many. I mean, when I was doing my thousandth episode, I was sort of reviewing who we've had on the show. Yeah. And the very first episode I ever had was with John Carlton in 2009. And here we are now, all these years later, we're still talking about copy. Why do you think copy is such an important topic for us to talk about? Is probably the first question I want to ask you.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, from my perspective, I've been doing digital marketing for so long now. So I started full service digital marketing almost 12 years ago. And I think absolutely everything that we did, copywriting was such an important and pivotal role in everything that we created. And it's why I ended up creating Savvy Copy in the first place, because I realized that no matter what we created for clients, if copy wasn't where it needed to be, it was massively impacting conversions. And I think I hear you say it all the time, James, and it's something that's, it, you know, grates on my gills all the time is that people don't really understand the value of copy and that it really is like salesmanship in print. And the impact that you can have and the importance of psychology and sales elements in copy, it's why it's so important because without it, you know, people think that they can write themselves, but, you know, the amount of sales skills that's actually required in copy to get the result that you want is important in all aspects of digital marketing. So that's why I went all in on creating Savvy.
1: Because it's that important. And I like what you said. I write reasonable copy and of course we can get tools to help us a bit and frameworks. However, I still think it's probably the single biggest one-time investment I've made so far online is paying for a copywriter. And it's also one of the best return on investments that I've had. It's a very specific, large amount to pay for, uh but then they launch into all the stuff that you know has to be done, that you've been putting off. All that research, the behind the scenes, getting to know your product, speaking with your clients, pulling out all the case studies, assimilating this information into something that's going to be Persuasive, but also, and this is, you know, I wanted to sort of circle back to why I like your copy. It's got to be authentic and ethical. And I've seen products, there's a product out there in the fitness market that I became aware of yesterday where there's a guy actually pretending that he's on the set of a Joe Rogan studio, but he's not. Uh And the marketers are sort of saying, is this good or bad? Uh But the fitness people in particular, when I went and researched into this product, they all said, everything this guy says is wrong. Right. It's the oh. worst fitness advice ever. Wow. The overall snapshot I got is that someone very clever in marketing is behind all of this, but the product uh-huh. itself sucks. You know, there are certain copywriters, I suppose, who just want to sell stuff regardless of whether it's good for humans or not. Uh-huh. I've definitely got a good for human filter. Like I I really only want to bring people on the show who I trust. And if I don't agree with someone, I'll definitely say it so that it doesn't, uh, you know, people don't associate yeah. that, that I'm endorsing something. I've, I've There's numerous examples on this show where I've had a debate with a guest. But I think that at the core of it, that authenticity is absolutely critical. I think we need to be agile enough to change our perspective with new information because uh-huh. some people get too fixated in their old ways. Um, and I'm seeing a shift. I'm seeing a shift in guard with copy from the old school to, I mean, there's the new kids with the tools uh-huh. and there's a gap in the middle, I think. People who are able to be agile and adapt but still have authenticity but, of course, have the achievements to uh-huh. so back it up. And as I've mentioned before, I've sent you off to some of my clients because they need help with the copy. Like you, I've discovered if no matter how good their product is or how great I could be mentoring them, Mm -hmm. if their offer's not getting adapted by their audience, they're just not buying. And so you've been engaged in projects to help a lot of my clients. Uh, We just uh, went through a couple before the show, not going to mention by name, but several of them. And they all come back saying thank you, you raving about the service. So you're really um, doing a great job with them. And I think because of your background, you've been around the community, so you certainly know a lot of the community players. Wow. You, know, that, you have a great close association too with our mutual friend, Greg, from StudioOneDesign.com. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just shows how a copy with good design goes so well. And then if you have good copy, good design, and a good product, and a good coach, then you're winning. And that's what I like to see. When you were in the early days of that community, and I was seeing in the meetups, what did business look like back then pre-agency?
0: Look, uh, so I mean, my whole like online journey started way back in 2010 when I was learning how to blog, how to do pay-per-click SEO, how to rank in the search engines. And things kind of took off very quickly when I started to learn everything, learn how to rank websites. I then sold advertising space on these websites. But interestingly, in 2012, I was struck by the Google Penguin update. Still to this day, do not know what caused that. But what's really interesting, and just to rewind probably to the year before, was that that was when I'd first got exposure to you, I believe. It was around 2011. And I learned something then that stuck with me until today, and that was my own the race course. And so in the back of my mind throughout 2011, even though I'd created this like six-figure business just from ranking websites, I thought, all of my baskets are in Google. Everything is ranking in Google. If, and I would wake up every morning going, where am I ranking? Am I one? Am I two? And so that stuck with me. And I really, that sort of seeded the foundation of, okay, well, I need to own the race course. I need to own my platform. I need to build something from here. So before I was impacted by the Penguin Update, I started to do this for other people. I was building their websites. I was ranking uh, their websites. Luckily, they weren't impacted by the Penguin Update. But that's how everything really started. And then stupidly, I now look back at it. I don't think I joined your community for maybe two years after that. And to this day, I wish I had done it sooner because I think I missed the boat on a few things. But anyway, so I spent about seven or eight years in the digital agency. So this was working on websites and building them and doing a little bit of copywriting at the time, running ads, video marketing. We were kind of doing absolutely everything. And I think one other thing that I wanted to add in through here is that when I actually reflect back on my entire journey over the 12 years, I don't think that there's anyone that's been influential on my business that hasn't actually come from your community. Wow. So anyone that's had a huge impact on whether it's been you, whether it's been people that I've met in the community, I wouldn't be where I am today unless I met them. And that's really thanks to you. So that was really the, the journey. And then the journey shifted and pivoted actually thanks to the gentleman you mentioned before, which was, Greg And that story really came from, I was actually a little bit burnt out in the agency. I couldn't scale, I couldn't grow, and it wasn't nearly as profitable as I would have liked. And he reached out to me one Sunday evening and he said, send me this email. I'd just gotten home from a business trip. I was exhausted Sunday evening, 5.50. And he said, Jamie, how the heck are you? I need your copywriting chops and I need them by tomorrow. I've landed a big fish. But only if we can deliver a Kickass landing page with Kickass copy by tomorrow. And so Greg knew that we were offering a little bit of copywriting, obviously in the agency, but not exclusively. And the client was Bill Zanker with the investors, People and Tony Robbins. And so that's basically we worked on that campaign. We had like twenty four hours to write the copy to get the page done. And when I finished that campaign, it was a huge like epiphany for me that I was like. But their campaign, it was underperforming before we worked on it. We overhauled the copy and the design. We then, it was relaunched. We jumped on the phone with Bill Zanker and he just said, I've never seen conversions like this in my life. And so for me to reflect and look at Bill Zanker as one of a very, very successful businessmen in America, you've obviously got Tony Robbins and Pitbull. They are absolute experts at what they do. They've got something incredible to offer. But if they can't communicate it to their audience in a way that will be impactful and convert, I realized I needed to take care of the copy to be able to work with business owners that have so much impact and influence in something amazing and team up with other people that offer all the other elements that people need. So that's how the story really unfolded and how I'm where I am today.
1: I love that. How hard was the decision to disengage from all the other stuff to get more specialized in the copy? Because this is something people wrestle with.
0: Yes. So for me, I think it was such an aha moment and I feel like everything became super clear from my perspective that it was really easy because I thought, you know what, I have so much experience and knowledge in digital marketing that we can pour into copywriting, which a lot of copywriters don't have. I couldn't find many agencies that were out there that could do what we did. I knew I had the connection in the network and it felt right to me. I was you know, fascinated throughout my whole life with psychology and being able to infuse all of that into what we do in copy. It was easy. It was an easy decision to shift and just do copy.
1: I love that. I'm constantly blown away by how the community helps each other. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is the feedback I get a lot. When I refer someone to a supplier, the supplier often comes back to me and, and they say, your people—they're just so nice to deal with. They're just good people. I had this—I uh, recently promoted an email training from another copywriter who really specializes in email. And she was blown away with the people who came through. Just the quality of them. Wow. When I was flying down to Melbourne and going out to the meetup in a taxi, it would often just sort of cross my mind. It's like, wow, I'm just this is amazing. This, this is just an idea. This whole make a community thing back in two thousand and nine, and it's turned into wow. something pretty special. And I'm still happy to have a great community now, you know, after all that time and have quality people in there. Just an example, right, of the quality of the type of people who are just there participating as members have super skills like you do and like Greg does. They're just normal members but are world-class at what they do. Now, what is it about – I think you've you've probably inherited some of the viewpoints of mine like OTR or in the race course or whatever. You know I've never been super big on – sexy launches or hyped up marketing. Uh-huh. And that's probably played quite well into your specialty as well. You you like to focus more on a different style of marketing uh-huh. for some of the clients?
0: Yeah. So majority, I mean, we've really on not having salesy, sleazy marketing and for everything to be really come from empathy, to be as authentic, real as possible. And Actually, in order to convert, there doesn't need to be, you know, a lot of like psychological manipulation or anything like that. It's when you do focus on really understanding your audience, having authority, being authentic, whilst obviously still implementing all of the, you know, influences and psychological principles within that, that leads to conversions. And I think you touched on a little bit earlier, but I think, I mean, I feel like we've been doing marketing this way for a really long time. I've been learning from you for a really long time and, you know, books that you've recommended that we now infuse into all of the copywriting that we do. But I definitely saw a really big shift with COVID and with messaging. And I think people really started to have this big realisation that, you know, in you know, such a, a devastating time for a lot of people, when people were opening their wallets, they really cared so much more about what a business stands for they cared about their values and they were really selective about where they were spending their money. And so I feel like it's been that way for a while, but I feel like anything that is um, really hard sell, that is icky, sleazy, it's just, it's not working. And I feel that, yeah, that the shift post COVID during COVID has just really made companies realize we need to get so much better with our messaging and being really real and authentic. You
1: know, it was uh, March, 1995, When I arrived at the BMW sales showroom, my first car sales job. Uh And I was absolutely appalled at the modus operandi of the salespeople. Like pulling out the stock sheet, looking for the car with the biggest margin, and then deciding in advance of someone walking the door, whoever walks in that door is going to be buying this car. And I just like something really jarred with me about this whole approach. Uh It doesn't seem very good for the customer. And when I came online, Initially, I was actually online at the same time, 1996 or so. I actually got a computer and I was just, it was very, very beginning of the internet in Australia. Oh. But later on, I came back on about 2005, I was starting to get uh, register a website and so forth. When I first came online, the information marketers were obnoxious, You know, these pushy, hypey, and it's, just nev- it's never sat well with me. And it seems like it's taken a few decades for people to catch up, but I feel like a lot more people are on the same page as where I've always been that's just not a good way to go. Yep. And the thing that's really revealed itself over that time is the longevity of my business model. Mm-hmm. The podcast, membership, that community, events and things, I've been able to sustain them for so long because it's a long game play. So I love that there's someone out there doing this authentically and people can get confused about manipulation, et cetera, but then it's okay if you're a brain surgeon to manipulate the scalpel to fix someone you know, from a blood clot or whatever. So I think if used positively and with the intention of helping someone be better off, these tools could be great. I'd be really curious. Are you prepared to share some insights into the foundational books or resources that you think represent the style of copy that you're writing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm willing to reveal those secrets. For
1: sure. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, I really liked, obviously I'm I have to ask the questions that someone on the other end of this podcast would be begging me to ask, like, can you ask her what books?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, absolutely. Everything that we do in uh, Savvy really comes down to actually three books that we've been influenced by. One being Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. The second being Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. Oh. And then we've got, yeah, we're going to talk about that book. And then Influence by Robert Cialdini. And I feel like when a lot of people look up for like the the tips and the tricks and the structure and following a template, I think it's kind of like fast forwarding too fast down the the process rather than actually looking at the fundamentals that they really need to implement. And I feel that these three books absolutely perfectly shape what is actually required for high converting copy. So. Yeah, I'd love to dive into those three in more detail, James.
1: Well, let's flesh that out a bit then if you want to give us sort of the Jamie Marie perspective on Uh what it is about these books that's so useful.
0: Yeah. So I think starting with Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, the biggest thing that I really love about this book is that it actually really draws on the impact and the influence of what storytelling does and the storylines that are created in every you know big Hollywood movie and all of the pieces. You can almost look at any movie that ever been produced and it always follows this same structure, which looks at having a hero and a guide and a villain and a plan and a call to action, success and failure. And so when we look at all of that and how it's done in movies, we can actually really take that and apply that to all of the marketing that you create. And so what you can do is really dive deep into understanding who is the hero of the story and it is always your customer. It is never you. And that's what a lot of people get really wrong whenever they do their marketing. You look at who the guide is and that's obviously uh, you as a business owner. You're there to guide uh, the main character of the story. We need to look at the villain that exists. So this is always taking a look at what are the internal, external problems that exist for our clients? Who is the villain of the story? Because we need to basically kill the villain. Then obviously looking at the plan that is going to be in place in order to relinquish the villain. The call to actions that need to be included. Talking about failure and how to avoid failure, and then success. So that's really the SB7 framework. Nice. Now, we overlap that.
1: There was a presentation I had at one of my live events. I had Clint Patterson presented on the story mm-hmm. formula, which is similar, I think. It's mm-hmm. probably all derived from a yeah. maybe from Joseph Campbell as well. And for some of my guests, I give them this framework to help them have a better podcast. Mm-hmm. I haven't given that to you, obviously. You know your stuff. But it's, a, it's such a good tool to have a framework that... People connect with, and when you talk about the villain, all right, a lot of people have been brought up with something like the Bible or in a non religious version, Star Wars. Uh You know, your Darth Vader or your devil really makes everything more interesting, doesn't it?
0: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So you were saying you, you overlay?
0: Yes. So then we take the story brand framework and then we overlay spin selling. And Spin Selling was actually a book you introduced me to, I can't even remember how many years ago, which follows the acronym of uh, Situation, Problem, Implication and Need Payoff. And the story that you told at the time of how you actually implemented this into your story of when you worked at BMW and Mercedes was why I now so heavily focus on this and especially on the implication section of the book in all of the copywriting that we do.
1: Oh, it's so good. I mean, this did change my life. This formula. I guess I was lucky. A little bit of luck involved, right, in that journey. But when I when I worked at Vodafone, it was new in Australia. Digital telephones were rolling out in about 1993. Wow! And they went and headhunted the best of the best salespeople. They got the director of sales was from Xerox, and he recruited a bunch of their Xerox people. And Xerox was one of the people who Neil Rackham had studied and done research with. And they that was basically their sales Bible internally for high ticket copy machines. <laughs> Young people wouldn't really know what that is anymore. No. But back in the old days, they used to print, you know, copy things out, you know, there was paper and stuff. So, you know, I attended all these sales meetings and they were just training people on this technique and it, it just became... I basically jumped to the head of the queue and skipped all of the old school sales stuff and got the most current up-to-date methodology. I still think it stands now, that formula. The thing I love about it is it's so simple Uh that you can use it in every aspect of your life, whether it's figuring out with your partner what movie to watch or whether you want to go and visit the relatives or you want the relatives to come and visit you. This formula can still be a, a good guide. In many aspects, and it's really good for training as well. If you're an educator, to help people and build a desire to learn, or to, to really want the outcome, so that's good when you make a combination or a hybrid. Now you're starting to get a sort of proprietary approach to something that is less likely that someone else is using the same formula.
0: That's right. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I really feel like I learned from that book, James, which is what you communicated to me, is the implications of not. Using a product or needing to communicate the implications to someone, and I really feel that it's probably the most left out thing in a lot of sales conversations and a lot of copywriting is is really focusing in on that implication. And I think that when you tie that, as you mentioned, like really weaving it all together with the story and the villain and the implication of not destroying the villain or the problems and the internal problems that the people have got, it leaves a lot. of of really like impact on the table of, of not when it comes to your copywriting of not including that in there. And so I really feel that that is often, you know, really impactful.
1: Well, it's like, it's probably the part of the formula where you, if you can raise the implications, then the, the cost of the solution that someone would would pay for, it goes up a lot. I mean, the other parts you need, Situation was always interesting to me because, you know, my previous e- example that I gave of the, the people looking at the stock sheet in the showroom before the customer walked in, mm-hmm. they're disregarding the, the S part of that formula, the <laughs> situation. They don't care about the customer at all. And I. If you don't really know the customer and the situation they're having, it's very hard to guess at what kind of problems or pain points they're having from the P part. And, and then you've got no chance of the implication. You just have to be lucky if they tell you something. Yes. And they're really only starting with the N, here's what you need, yes. and they're ignoring the it. Right. Now, isn't it interesting that on some months I could sell more than all the other salespeople put together in a single month by just having a framework, a four-acronym framework? Uh-huh. So I'd, I'd, I love that you took that away from the implications. Yeah. And it's even better that you can do it with interesting questions rather than having to do tricky closes and mm-hmm. special um There's lots of names, isn't there? Like the old Tom Hopkins training, tie downs and tag ons and stuff. Like you don't have to get all tricky. Mm -hmm. You you just have to care about what would happen if someone doesn't do this. And that's why you hear people have a variation. They say, you know, if your product's that good, you're doing people a disservice by not telling them about it, right? Mm -hmm. Part of that is like if they haven't figured out yet why they need your product, maybe you can help them figure out what path they're on and what's just around the corner for them if they do nothing. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you can take them there, they wouldn't want that situation and then you can bring them back to now where they have the choice to not be in that situation okay. by making the decision to go ahead. But you're still using another book to stack onto this too, right? You're compounding this with the next set of principles.
0: Yes. Yes. So those two books really enable you to deeply understand your customer, their situation. That's where you really build a lot of empathy from those two books. But then we tack on Influence by Robert Cialdini. So this is one of my very favorite books. And I think the biggest thing about this book is to look at it at understanding that influence is like how do we influence people to take a particular action or do a certain thing. But it it applies in absolutely everything that we do outside of marketing, outside of anything, is that the seven principles of influence can be applied anywhere from relationships, from conversations, from you know, how many people are at a restaurant. The social proof that exists there will impact how many people go and visit that restaurant. So there's just so many different elements of the seven principles in Robert Cialdini's book that when applied and understood correctly and used for good and not evil, because there's a lot of talk actually about you know, the power of influence, and that people can use you know that for their superpowers for their evil we certainly use them for good and so understanding those seven principles is what has a huge impact on really influencing someone to take action
1: so do you treat that as kind of like a checklist to make sure that these elements are conveyed in your copy that those parts are there
0: exactly yes and so the way that we weave them through it is like a checklist making sure there are case studies and testimonials and social proof is there authority are we doing the liking principle, which is about creating really conversational language, you know, uh, being authentic? That's really what impacts that That liking principle. So yes, it is almost like a checklist. All of the marketing that we create has to have all of those elements.
1: And where do you see things like AI coming into this? We, okay. we can't really have this podcast conversation without talking about it okay. now because it's just become... Uh, Well, certainly I've been using it every day because I feel like whether you love it or hate it, it's here and it's improving. And I've had several podcast episodes initially years ago, and then very recently, especially on the topic of copywriting, is it going to replace copywriters? Is it good enough yet? And the consensus was that it's got to a point where very ordinary copywriters are replaced and only people with context or good understandings or grasps on this are able to use the tools to help refine or whatever. But I'm curious to know if you've had different outcomes, if you've discovered things that are useful.
0: Sure. So look, I agree with a lot of the conversations that you've had around AI and its impact. I definitely think low-level copywriters um, and in some cases content writers obviously are going to be impacted the most. I think where I really Feel the um, AI is at is obviously it really does not have empathy. It can imitate emotions, but it really does not have empathy. And I think that people really underestimate how important that actually is with the sales process and everything that we're doing is having real, authentic empathy. And I feel that with um, Andre Chaperone is one of my favorite copywriters that is out there. And whenever I read his stuff, and even when I've read and he's talked about the you know a lot of AI. He really talks about the importance of creating that deep, deep connection. And I feel that AI has its place. I feel like people are getting a bit too excited about it at the moment and they're actually potentially going to do damage to their brand by using it. Certainly when it comes to sales copywriting, I feel like everyone's super excited. Oh, I don't need to have a copywriter. This is going to save so much time. But I feel like at this point in time, it is really far from where it needs to be it can absolutely help with certain elements, idea generation at times. But I even step back and when I talk about it with my team is that, yes, it stops like the cursor from blinking and, you know, you get to start, you don't have to start from scratch when it comes to copywriting and that can be beneficial. However, I actually feel that sometimes when you're prompted by other things, it stops the creativity that you actually have and are able to actually pour into everything that we create. So we don't just look at like, obviously, the words that are written on the page. We look at marketing strategically. What does this client need? What does their customers actually need? And sometimes I feel like when you see something, you can't unsee it. And therefore, it does stifle that creativity. And that's like the real special source that copywriters can add. And that's what's actually most important when it comes to conversions. So we're definitely looking at how we're going to implement it into our business and potentially looking at, you know, really using it for split testing and things like that. But right now it's not, certainly from sales copywriting, not where it needs to be. And I think if people jump on it too quickly, it's going to hurt their brand rather than actually really help it.
1: Yeah. And speaking of special sauce, I cooked a meal for my parents the other week and I cooked everything from scratch. I prepared the food. I created a sauce from scratch. Every single ingredient know, was combined to make this meal. There was no added pre-done stuff. Uh-huh. So as soon as you grab that packet of the pre-done stuff, often you read the ingredients and it's filled with all this crap, you know, stabilizers or food colors or sweeteners, etc. Uh-huh. That's what's getting people in their diet, right? Uh-huh. And I think the same could be said for AI. You start grabbing stuff off the shelf And putting it out there, you're starting to blend it all up and you're not really sure what you're getting. There's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of issues now with IP going into it and not sure how it's coming out of it. There was a a company who uh, found their employees were using it for code checking. They let them code check, but all that proprietary IP went into the machine and they own it now. Uh So that was interesting. I think like you do, I think it's overhyped. I do think it's as significant as the internet itself, like where it's going. I think it's important to keep an eye on it, Uh but I've been using it to keep my hand in to keep a pulse on it. For example, I had a a friend of mine has a a P framework for copywriting, Uh and I asked him if it's okay to talk about. He said yes. He's keeping a secret, but it was uh, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven P's. Uh You know things like proof, pitfalls, principles, plan, price, Uh prize, and promise. Well, I went to the tool and I said, hey here's a framework or checklist that I can use for sales copy. What am I missing? And so it went out and goes, you know what? Uh, You could probably do with persona. (laughs) And so I like it for gap analysis. I like it for critiques. I like it to change the style of things. I've had it do things from write speeches to advertisements for things as a draft. Especially recently, I had it write a kind of funny advertisement that really resonated with the target buyer that I don't think I would have created from scratch. And it's fun to use for that. But for serious full-blown copy, I think the real difference at the moment is an experienced copywriter is going to have way, way better inputs even if they use the tool. And this was exemplified to me in, in an extreme way the other day. There was a guy in my industry who was proposing that business coaches are next, right? And he showed an example that he'd, he'd asked. It. He was saying an example of he spends, you know, Instead of spending $1,000 a month on a business coach, you could just have it do a plan for you. First problem is that it was presuming that all the business coaches are giving you a plan. It's funny because as a business coach or a mentor, I would tell the client, look, you can ask the tool to generate you a plan, right? But the second problem was that in the example that he put, it kind of missed half of his entire business. But the major problem was it, it lacked all context it didn't know the difference between a good product or a bad product or which ones he enjoyed working on or not, what sort of assets or resources he brought to the table, whether the business market was growing or decreasing. It was like there's basically a thousand things. But he thought the business plan was amazing. That's the problem. He lacked the intel or the awareness or this, you know, the experience to know that this was rubbish. And I think that's the problem with the copywriter. If you replace your copywriter with the tool, you don't actually know if it's good or not. And that's the major problem, I think, at this point. So where you have wisdom and expertise, and you can actually decide, hey, go here, not there. The other problem is they're getting it to work on the wrong things, Mm -hmm. the wrong part of the funnel, the wrong campaign, the wrong product, the wrong market. Like, It's only really as good as the questions you ask it. And I think an experienced copywriter is going to be able to wrangle it beautifully Uh and then also be able to weed out things. So, for example, every time I've asked it to write an email, it uses words that suck, that I would never put in an email, that are counter to getting a great result. So it's not writing good emails. And so I basically scrap it. I don't think I've actually used any of them yet. I've used some bones of one, but as I'm learning, and just to point out, I'm doing this because I have to keep a finger on the pulse in what I do. I have to be aware of this stuff. But I still think expert coaches, expert copywriters, expert coders, they're all still going to be fine, but they'll probably have some of these tools augmenting what they do. So where does it put you in terms of that changing market? Do you think it makes a human copy agency more valuable?
0: Look, I actually think so. I think that there'll be quite the curve of like a lot of people will dive in and a lot of people will start to use it. But then I think the the impact really is so is that in such a competitive world, like we've got to do whatever we can to stand out anyway. And I don't think AI certainly doesn't make you stand out. Incredibly good human copywriter is what makes you stand out. And even when you're talking about the story of an AI business coach, like <laughs> I feel like the detrimental impact that someone trying to fast track the process and not using a coach, business is hard enough as it is. Being successful in business is hard enough as it is. And if you bypass and get the wrong advice at the wrong time, it's going to put you down the completely wrong path.
1: So, and you wouldn't know you're on the wrong path.
0: Exactly and so you spend years potentially on the wrong path and most businesses would ever fail in the first two years. And I feel like the same way with copywriting is that often if you're spending money on advertising Facebook, Google ads and you're sending it with AI generated copy, you know from my perspective it's the impact that could actually make your business not work or not do nearly as well as it could rather than actually if you've got the money to invest, do not try and fast track. like that's my advice. I think that a lot of people are going to try and use it. A lot of it's going to be very generic copy. You're missing the opportunity of first engaging your, your clients with really good copy and content. And if someone sees you once, like that's, like that's we don't need a lot of clients in order to do really well in business. And a lot of our clients don't need a lot. But when they just try and churn out copy and content and that one person sees that content is like, you know, that's a bit unremarkable or, oh, that was a bit generic. The damage I feel it's actually going to do. So my advice would be play around with it. Potentially use it for some idea generation. If you've got budget, do not skip using human copywriters. Just don't do it. And if it gets to a point that it can have empathy, I think we're all in a lot more trouble than I am as a copywriting agency. Once AI has empathy, but yeah, I feel like be very cautious of fast tracking this process because I truly believe copywriting is what is the most important element of successful marketing. And so, yeah.
1: Well, you know, the, the instant that I knew my friend was wrong was the very first group call I logged into uh-huh. on Tuesday. I'm s- sitting there with seven or eight people uh-huh. who are real life humans, and I'm a real life human, and we're talking about ideas, we're experiencing emotions and empathy, and we're talking about strategies and cross pollinating ideas. That's still extremely valuable. You no know, even in a post-apocalyptic Armageddon scenario, even in all those Hollywood movies, the juice of the story is always when that little clan of humans can gather and scrape up what's left of it and then go and start again.? Right? That's what being human is all about.
0: That's right. That's
1: why you know having a podcast with another human is still going to be, I think, a, a highly valuable thing. We know, we know we're experiencing something real. And I'm pretty sure my podcasts aren't quite as structured as a robot would put it, but that's okay. You know, we got this far. Well, Jamie Marie, I really appreciate you sharing with us, you know, the human side of it. I think that's really the big lesson today. That good copy has got solid fundamentals that it does work and it's still worth investing in. And you've given us some real guidance in terms of what the fundamentals have been for you. I know lots of the people you've worked with and I'm appreciative that I have someone that I can send them to to get help when they're looking for that sales letter or the new web page or whatever. And uh, what would you like someone to take away from this particular episode?
0: I think the most important and overlooked thing that I think when it comes to marketing and copywriting is deeply understand your audience. I think it's something that's so overlooked. And I feel like people almost eye roll when they say, who's your client avatar? They're like, oh yeah, I've done that work. Figure out have you really done the work? Do you know them intimately? Do you know what's going on for them? Because deep connection can only come from really understanding your audience. And you know, part of our process is to interview our clients' clients because we need to know them intimately. We need to open up these conversations. And so That is the advice that I would give you. Deeply understand them, be empathetic, be authentic, and that's what crafts the best copy that you can create.
1: That's it. And, you know, the robot hasn't sat there at meetups all around the world like I have over a decade. No. I know my clients because I literally know them. I've met them. I have speak to them. Yes. And I'd probably – it would be easy to take that for granted whenever I just come up with an email or a post – It's just like all that information is just loaded in the backdrop. It'll be hard for people to take that over. That's pretty much also a red flag for anyone if they hire a copywriter and that copywriter is not intensively probing you as to all this information they need to have before they write you the copy, Uh then there's something not right. So
0: Exactly. Research.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that.
0: Yeah, no worries at all.
1: Your website, savvycopy.com. If you do get in touch, let Jamie know that you've heard her on this show. This one is episode 1008. It's been great to have you on the show. I'm Sorry it took so long, <laughs>
0: but That's okay. maybe
1: you'll come back. Who knows?
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, James.
1: This is James Schramko.